I would like to begin near this opening near talk near by quoting uh, three verses near from the Samyutta Nikaya. And those uh, three verses are uh, part of the so-called Chandana Sutta. The Chandana Sutta is part of the second collection of connected discourses, namely part of the Deva Buddha Samyutta. And in that Deva Buddha Samyutta, so discourses connected with young Devas, the following uh, verses are there. Standing to one side, the young Deva Chandana addressed the Blessed One in verse. The first verse is, Who here crosses over the flood, unwearying by day and night, who does not sink in the deep without support, without a hold. Now, in answer to this question, Gata, the Buddha then replies in two Gatas by saying, one always perfect in virtue, endowed with wisdom, well concentrated, one energetic and resolute, crosses the flood so hard to cross. And the second verse spoken by the Buddha, which is verse number 300, then says, one who desists from sensual perception, who has overcome the fetter form, who has destroyed the light in existence, he or she does not sink in the deep. The translation from the Pali was Satna done by Venerable Bhikkhu Bodhi. Now, Let us go one by one to understand the deeper meaning first of the first verse, and then the emphasis will be on the second verse. Katam sutarati ogam ratendiva matandito apatite analambe ko gambire nasidati ti is the pani for the first verse. Who here crosses over the flood? Unwearing by day and night. Now, the term flood in the Pali scripture language is suddenly given as ogo or oga. And suddenly it then is suddenly used metaphorically, but suddenly in the context of this particular verse with technical overtones, as Bhikkhu Bodhi explains in the Samyutta Nikaya. And so this term, og, then is being explained as the set of the four floods which are mentioned elsewhere in the Samyutta Nikaya, namely in the 45th collection of connected discourses, discourse number 171. Now, that discourse is short and to the point. It says, uh, 
Because Bikunis and lay retreatants, there are these four floods. What for? The flood of sensuality, or you might say, the flood of sensual desire, the flood of existence, the flood of views, the flood of ignorance. These are the four floods. This Noble Eightfold Path is to be developed for direct knowledge of these four floods, for the full understanding of them, for their utter destruction, for their abandoning. Now, the term flood in accordance or according to the Sarata Pakasini, namely the commentary to the Samyutta Nikaya, defines Satna as follows or explains as follows. Namely, it says they are so called because they keep beings submerged within the round of existence and do not allow them to rise up to higher states and to Nibbana. Now, the first Satna flood, as Satna mentioned, is the flood of sensuality or sensual desire, explained as a desire and lust for the five chords of sensual pleasure. So, wanting to see agreeable sights, wanting you know, to experience desirable sounds and smells and suddenly taste experiences, tactile experiences. The second certain flood, the first one in Pani is known as Gamoga, the second one as Bawoga, Bawa meaning existence. So the second one is the flood of existence or maybe for a better understanding, the flood of attachment to existence, namely the desire and lust for form sphere existence and formless sphere existence and attachment to jhanas. Then we have Fatna the third kind of Fatna flood in the Pali scriptural language known as Dit-Oga, consisting of two words, Deti, which means view and hear, are meant wrong views, and Oga is your Pali term for flood. So the flood of views. And this satna refers to the 62 kinds of views as enumerated in the Dika Nikaya. So, views satna such as taking the self and the world to be eternal, so you have the eternity view, then views such as understanding the self and the world to being partially eternal, more partly eternal, partly non-eternal. And then views such as Satna taking the self to be permanent and many other uh, wrong views. And views do make a difference in life because they color our way of seeing the world and interacting with the world. Now finally, we have Awija Oga, which consists of two words, Awija and Oga. Awija being ignorance and Oga is Satna flood. So the flood of ignorance. And this then refers to a lack of knowledge, intuitive knowledge, with regard to the Four Noble Truths. Now,
essential desire, attachment to existence, wrong views and ignorance are called floods because they sweep beings away into the ocean of existence and you know, because they are so hard to cross as uh, the Abhidhamata Sangha explains. Now, it is in this second meaning that certain of the term flood is certainly being used here in the Chandanatna Sutta. So, think of, let's say, a village that Satna lies or is located right Satna next to uh, a river and all of a sudden um, some very heavy uh, rains occur and these rains Satna then last Satna not just for you know, one day but for several you know, days and the result Satna then uh, comes in the form of flash floods and uh, when a flash flood yeah, then pours down or moves yeah, down yeah, the river, then it is likely to sweep away or to sweep with it and villages, people, cattle and the like. Now, if a person or a family were you know, to decide to cross Satna, such a flash you know, flood, then you know, this Satna might be very difficult to do. So that is Satna, just uh, what we experience in the material world on occasion when uh, heavy uh, rains occur. Now, in life, the Buddha states, there are these four floods that are much worse than uh, those uh, uh, flash floods uh, mentioned early on. So, who here crosses over the flood? Unwearying by day and night, who does not sink in the deep without support, without a hold. So this last line of the first verse, without support, without a hold, the text explain or it has been explained by the Sarata Pakasini, so the commentary to the Samyutta Nikaya, as Satna follows, the Pali term for it is Apatite, and Satna meaning that there is below oneself, one is without support below oneself. And certainly without a hold, one is with a, without a hold above something to hold on to. So both below and above, there's nothing we can hold on to to support ourselves. So when we get swept away by these four floods, as Satna mentioned uh, earlier on, then we have nothing to hold on to, neither above nor below. So this young Deva named Chandana is uh, asking the Buddha, what kind of fitna beings manage then to 
cross over such a flood without sinking, without having support or a hold. Now, to this, the Buddha replies in verse first in Allow me to give you the Pali. Sapada sila sampano panyawa susamahito aradaviriyo pahitato ogam tarati dutaram. So the English rendering of this certain verse is as follows One always perfect in virtue. Please do notice you know, the a qualification here as always being perfect in virtue being perfect in ethical conduct endowed with wisdom well concentrated and furthermore one energetic and resolute such a one crosses the flood so hard to cross. Now, the Pali term for one energetic is Aradha Viriyo, which is uh, a particular aspect of uh, effort. Ardent, oftentimes you know, translated as someone possessing ardent Satna energy. Now, as Satna for the English word resolute, the corresponding Pani term is Pahitata, which Satna then has further meanings as uh, having a fixed aim, a fixed uh, purpose. So this uh, first reply verse by the Buddha then highlights already a number of qualities that we need to possess if we want to cross over the flood and not get swept away. So among the qualities that are required, we have, for one thing, ethical conduct. Then, secondly, the mind needs to be well concentrated. Then, the mind needs to be endowed with wisdom, and certainly this certainly will require some work. It will not arise all by itself. And then one needs to possess this ardent energy and be resolute. And as certainly explained, Pahitata may also mean having a fixed aim or a purpose. So when we do this practice, we have some purpose, but or answer. Now that purpose is to cross over the flood. The second reply that the Buddha gave, or the second Satna verse that Satna the Buddha spoke, is as follows. One who desists from sensual perception, namely in Pali known as Kama Sanyaya, who has overcome the fetter of form, who has destroyed delight in existence, such a one does not sink in the deep. Now, by sensual perception, karma sanya, is meant the five lower fetters. 
So has retreated when then desists from those five lower fetters. Then uh, the verse uh, goes on to say, one who has overcome the fetter form, the party for this is Rupa Samyojana, which Shatna then, uh, as Bhikkhu explains, implies the five higher fetters. Now, in terms of Fatna, those five lower fetters and higher fetters, they are as follows. The lower fetters cover the personality belief, Sakaya Deity, then skeptical doubt, Wichi Kecha, then the clinging to mere rules and Satna. Uh, ritual, silavata, paramasa, and pani, sensual craving, and ill will, biapada, in pani. The five higher fetters consist of the desire for fine material existence, the desire for immaterial existence, arupa, raga, and certain conceit, mana, restlessness, udicha, and ignorance. Now, the five lower fetters will be eradicated, cut off from the stream of consciousness through the attainment of the first three noble paths. So, the path of stream entry, Sotapati Magga, the path of once return, Sakadogami Maga, and the path of non-return, Anagami Maga. The five higher fetters are to be eradicated by the fourth and Satna final noble path, namely the path of Arahanship. Now, that last Satna verse, Satna then goes on to say, who has destroyed delight in existence? Which Satna refers, delight in existence, this term refers to the three kinds of Kamik volitional formations, namely demetor, demeritorious, meritorious, as well as imperturbable forms of volition. And so someone who then has abandoned all of the ten fetters and certain of the three kinds of Kamik formations, such a one does not sink in the deep, uh, in the great Flood. Now, the second Satna verse, or the uh, first Satna verse spoken by the Buddha, one always perfect in virtue, well concentrated, endowed with wisdom, one energetic and resolute, this Satna verse can be seen as a verse Satna that that sketches in a rather broad or general way the way forward in terms of practice. It sketches the main ingredients that are needed to then cross over those sudden four floods. Various approaches in the meditation practice exist, namely to engage in only insight meditation, which dwells on the impermanence of formations and other universal characteristics. Then there's the approach of 
engaging in wisdom practice based on, or insight practice based on uh, the jhanas. And then we have, as outlined in this verse of the Chandanatna Sutta, yet another approach, namely uh, insight that is based in being established in virtue that is further based on the mindset being well concentrated and retreated on top, being energetic and resolute. So this, with these main, with these and many other qualities that Satna retreated will be in a position to then find some support below and something to hold on above and to cross over those four floods. The chief task of insight meditation or vipassana is the development of intuitive wisdom. And the foundation for this comes in the form of appropriate conduct guarding one's certain senses. And Satna, furthermore, careful restraint in terms of Satna ethical conduct. This practice of Satna insight is available for both male as well as female gender support everyone around. And when we engage in this practice, then it is for our own welfare as well as for the welfare of others and, as the Buddha states, even for both. Now, as outlined in the Chandana Sutta, ethical contact, conduct is fundamental. As the Venerable Sadhu Pandita, the Bhivams of Fatna Burma, renowned Satna Meditation Master and Satna Buddhist Satna Scholar, has Satna pointed out, virtuous conduct Satna Sila derives from a basic sense of humanity. So before engaging in some activity, it's always a good idea to briefly stop and suddenly reflect for a moment whether what we're planning to do is going to bring harm to others and ourselves or not. If we find that a planned action is bringing harm, possibly harm to others, then it's best to refrain from it. Now, a good way to evaluate this is simply to put oneself in the shoes of that other person and to ask oneself, would I want to have my property, my life taken, would I like it you know, to have my property taken away? Would I like it if someone else were to come and suddenly then interfere into a committed relationship and the like? Now, as one will 
most most likely not be pleased with something like this to happen, well, others will not like it either. And then it becomes pretty clear that such kind of uh, act contemplated activities are best uh, refrained from. So those five uh, precepts and mm, based on those Satna, the eight Satna precepts are or can be seen as of a universal nature that help Putna uh, to uh, smoothen the relationship or that help to regulate the relationship between human beings in proper ways. Now, during an intensive retreat, it is advisable to adjust our conduct in certain ways that is helpful for our mindfulness practice. One of those ways of adjusting our conduct comes in observing noble silence. So part from the communication that takes place during the interviews and apart from uh, occasionally asking uh, for uh, some uh, practical advice, communicating uh, something um, with uh, the people in the office or uh, other staff persons. Apart from those two areas, we observe noble silence. And this certainly will be for our own benefit as well as certainly the benefit of others. Now, when it comes to our sexual conduct, the right form of sexual conduct during an intensive retreat comes in the form of voluntary celibacy. So, we refrain from sexual activities, from any kind of sexual activities, even with um, or from sexual activity with one's spouse or partner. The sixth out of Fatna, the eight Satna precepts, says that Satna we commit Satna to or undertake the training to refrain from taking solid food after uh, well 12 o'clock or uh, since we have uh, summertime uh, here in the States, so uh, after uh, solar uh, noon, which is around 12.47 these days and it will change a little bit in the course of this retreat. By eating a moderate amount of meal or of food, we then prevent drowsiness after a meal. By further voluntarily not taking solid food after solar noon, we then not take an evening meal. With this, we'll have more time to practice, and there's no reason why the mind satna should become drowsy because of satna food. Now, 
Observing this certain six precept as certain the Venerable Pandita, Bhivams of Burma explains, one then reduces, as explained, drowsiness, but also one's sexual appetite, and while one is certain practicing, one might then discover that the taste of the Dhamma by far excels the taste of food. Now, on retreat, we refrain from social interactions, yet we practice together as a group. Now, on retreat, we voluntarily refrain from trying to impress others and Satna thus, we refrain from deliberately in beautifying ourselves by wearing garlands and using cosmetics, perfumes, and Satna ornaments. And we refrain from distracting ourselves by engaging in activities such as dancing, singing, and then playing instruments and visiting their shows. Now, all of Fatna, this Satna then is conducive you know, to our, or it is to refrain you know, from these activities, is conducive you know, to our you know, practice. The last among the eight Satna precepts, Satna recommends to refrain from using high luxurious seats and Satna beds. And the furniture here at Satna, the forest refuge, is appropriate in this regard. Now, in order to gain purity of mind, Cleanliness, both internal as well as external, are important. So internal cleanliness then refers certainly to ensure that the body is well taken care of, that one's balls are then being moved on a regular uh, basis trimming uh, one's certain fingernails, toenails, trimming one's hair, and the like. External cleanliness that means that certain one keeps uh, um, one's room neat and certain tidy, and the same thing also goes for uh, the medit for one's cushion uh, in uh, the meditation hall. When undertaking this practice of insight, certain meditation, vipassana meditation, very soon some pu inner purity, purity of mind will arise, and so with that we will realize that this inner Purity will also reflect in our facial expressions and our way of being. And that beauty is far better than the adornment with garlands, cosmetics and the like. Inside Satna meditation, Requires that base that we're well established in virtue, and Satna then exert Satna effort, and Satna further 
and based on you know, this thing intuitive or based on this mindfulness will arise and suddenly you know, this will pave you know, the way you know, for you know, the arising of concentration and the concentrated mind you know, then allows suddenly you know, for intuitive wisdom to unfold now by meticulously observing the eight precepts will be in a position to already beautify, cultivate, refine our ethical conduct, which should then means already a substantial step is being taken on the path of purification. Observing an ethical code of conduct, however, is not certainly sufficient you know, to ensure the purity of the mind. Hindrances, such as the hindrance of sense desire, hindrance of ill will, of sloth and torpor, restlessness and remorse, and certainly skeptical doubt, might still arise in the mind. So in order you know, to then deal with those and come to terms with those hindrances we need to engage in another form namely the concentration or the development of concentration of the mind and in the presence of certain concentration, the hindrances will be suppressed and as such, the mind will be at least temporarily um, pure. But latent or defilements in a latent or dormant form may still linger on in the stream of consciousness. And in order to address certain you know, those lingering, dormant, latent defilements, well, uh, a third area of fatna practice is needed, namely the training in intuitive wisdom. So, Panyatna Seka in the Pali, a scriptural language. And so, in order to be in a position to engage in you know, this training in you know, wisdom, the Venerable Masi side of Fatna Burma has given meditation instructions you know, for you know, Vipassana you know, meditation, so for insight you know, meditation that will you know, then allow us you know, to explore you know, the true nature of formations. Allow me to give you, just for this evening and certain early tomorrow morning, the gist of these instructions. Knowing very well that many of you have traveled over probably hundreds of miles and you being tired, jet-lagged, I will give just uh, the very uh, gist of those instructions. So the gist is uh, to, as based on the Satipatthana Sutta, to label, observe, and know whatever predominant object comes along in the body or in the mind, starting with an observation of the rising and falling movement of the abdomen during the sitting meditation. So at the very beginning of a session, we start with an observation of the rising and falling movement of the abdomen, and then we take it from there and observe the next most predominant object that comes up. So this could be the thinking, this could be a pain, an ache, hardness, stiffness, tension, but could also be a seeing process or hearing process or any of the other sense door processes. 
could be you know, the arising of a mental you know, factor. So whatever you know, the predominant object might be, if it is predominant then and more predominant than other objects, we focus our attention on it, we label it, we observe it, and we try to know its nature. By knowing the nature of you know, the most predominant object, we mean knowing its qualities, its characteristics, its certain features, and the like. Now, this certain very basic instructions of labeling, observing, and knowing whatever predominant you know, object arises in the body or in the mind then applies to our sitting meditation, applies you know, to our walking meditation, formal walking meditation, as well as to all of our you know, general activities. And there are many of you know, those certain general activities. Among the major general activities between now and you know, tomorrow morning, we have the process of you know, going to you know, bed, then uh, tomorrow morning the process of waking up. The, please do you know, pay attention to you know, the very first certain few moments uh, when waking up, when regaining uh, 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 awake consciousness, with which object does Satna them, or to which object does the mind awake? Does it awake to a sound, or maybe to light, or maybe? to you know, some sensation in the body, some pressure, and uh, the like. And then another area of, uh, of uh, general activity would suddenly cover the process of um, taking a shower and suddenly then uh, putting on uh, the clothing and then getting ready for practice. Taking breakfast is suddenly yet another important area that we will then explore in the course of this retreat. The same thing goes for the lunch. doing the dishes, performing a yogi job, all these satna areas should be included in our mindfulness practice as much as satna possible. Now, tomorrow morning, starting from 8 of 30, I would satna like to request you to come to the meditation hall and then I will give you additional meditation instructions so additional information on mindfulness in sitting meditation mindfulness in walking meditation mindfulness during general activities as well as a few remarks about certain of the interviews and certainly then the last point is going to be a few words about certain attitudes towards practice, especially practicing in a balanced way. Now, allow me to conclude our opening talk with a Dhammapada verse, namely 217, which then picks up some of uh, or echoes some of the qualities mentioned in the earlier mentioned discourse, the Chandana Sutta. 
he or she who is perfect in virtue and insight is established in the Dhamma, has realized the truths and fulfills his or her own duties, such a one is loved by all men and women. Now, he or she who is perfect in virtue, by this are, is meant the four kinds of morality, yes, so uh, the uh, monastic vows or other sets of precepts like the eight precepts, restraint of the senses, making good use of the requisites. And then by insight, uh, and is meant insight connected. So he who is perfect in insight, this means being connected with the supermundane paths and fruits. He or she who is established in the Dhamma refers to being established in the nine supermundane states, namely the four paths, the four noble fruits, as well as Nibbana. So you can see already this certainly means a lot. And uh, he or she who has realized the truth, so the four noble truths, and fulfills his or her own duties. Namely, the duties refer to the three trainings as outlined earlier, the training in virtue, the training in concentration, and in intuitive wisdom. Such a one will be loved by all human beings. Allow me to conclude by wishing in line with this Satna verse and Satna also the short Satna Chandana Sutta as Satna explained, May you be inspired, or may this give you an outline for this retreat. May the Chandana Sutta, as well as this verse, inspire you in your meditation practice, and may this retreat of six weeks be a fruitful period for all of us and may more and more purity of mind arise and ever higher states of consciousness arise. And this is it for tonight.